little pissed off. How y'all feeling tonight? Welcome to pregame in pigskin. I am in share jail, so I cannot share this on my page because I'm really? sharing stuff. I'm in share jail. Why do you think I'm in share jail, Godfrey? Because I shared everything. You just said it and you jinxed me for saying that shit. <laughs> I oh, mushed you. You mushed me. I'm I'm wired to wire, Gene. I'm fired up for some sports talk. Uh, listen, I'm missing Carolina Blue Kicks. Carolina was great last week, but I'm happy to have my two friends. I call y'all friends. Y'all my friends. My two family members of pregame and pigskin. I got the king of production, Kyle Edwards, running the ones, twos, and maybe some threes. How you feeling, Kyle? I'm good. Good. I'm excited for tonight as well, and I agree with you. You know, Carolina was great last week, but, you know, we got a good show in store because these playoff games are, have been really good so far, so I'm excited. I also have a man I just did a show with. We did Birds Deep together. It's the T-H-E-E-G-O-D-F-R-E-Y, the Godfrey from Taking It Deep, Birds Deep. I don't know why he has so many deeps in his name. It's a little bit weird. He's got a deep voice. How you feeling that, Godfrey? I'm feeling deep. Taking it deep. Real look, deep. Look, you can't ask for a better wild card weekend. You couldn't ask for a better wild card weekend. And, guys, I you – know, my, my back hurts. I've been patting myself on the back all damn week for my wild card predictions. I told you the Dallas Cowboys were going to blow out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and be the blowout of the first round. It was. I told you Trevor Lawrence was going to be Justin Herbert and that the Chargers were going to charge her. They did. And I told you that Bengals-Ravens game was going to be much closer than maybe many people expected. But I also told you the New York football Giants will go into the fraudulent home of the Minnesota Vikings and win that game outright as a dog. Five, six and all my predictions, but the game I got to start with is that mess that happened in Jacksonville, in Duval County, Jacksonville versus Los Angeles. 27 to nothing with 44 seconds left in the first half. I need to, I need to vent on this one a little bit. First and foremost, before I pass, pass the mic, first and foremost, I was getting hit up by everyone and your mother and their family members that Trevor Lawrence stinks. He's awful. He played a really bad first half. If you were wrong about Trevor Lawrence, he's a bust. People messaging me in the second quarter, he's a bust. Four interceptions. I said, man, this game isn't over. They go down and score before the half. I feel like there's there's an opportunity. I always have faith in my man, Doug Peterson. They go down and score a touchdown right before the half. Second half comes out, they score another touchdown. 27-14 in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, things were getting a little bit tight. Chargers go down, make it 30-14. to 14. Here come, here come the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. It's 30 to 13, not 30 to 14. I apologize. They go down, they score a touchdown, they get a two-point conversion. They kick a field goal. It's 30. Or sorry, they score another touchdown. It's 30 to 28. The Chargers get the ball back up to four minutes left on the clock. 
Why in the world are you passing every down? They ran play action on first down. Justin Herbert got sacked for a seven-yard loss, and everyone knew exactly what was going to happen. They ran play action on first down, and Justin Herbert took a seven-yard sack, second and 17. Jaguars moved the ball down the field. Brilliant play call on fourth and inches to Travis Etienne who ran the ball down the sideline. And the Jaguars win the game 31-30. Was, um, was, it, was it a fourth down run, too, with Travis Etienne? Fourth and inches, yes. Doug, they, Doug they lined up to do the, the Eagles quarterback sneak, made it look like they were going to quarterback sneak, tight formation, three running backs behind Trevor Lawrence, and then everybody else was on the line. And they ran the sweet play after they'd sucked everybody in. And ETN took it 23 yards down the sideline. I cannot believe that Brandon Staley still has a job today. And guys, I get get on this soapbox very often. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I obviously want your comments on the game. But I get on this soapbox very, very often. But am I the only one that felt like Anthony Lynn was a little prematurely fired from the Chargers? after Justin Herbert won Rookie of the Year? Am I the only one that felt like that was a little premature? I don't feel like it was premature. I, I don't know if Anthony Lynn's a good head coach. I think he was a decent coach. Um, He only got a year with Justin Herbert. But I would have gave I would have fired Staley after the first year if it was really up to I'm me. I'm talking so. about Staley. I'm talking about Anthony Lynn. When Anthony Lynn got fired after a year with Justin Herbert, am I the only one that felt like that might have been a little bit premature? I, I didn't feel like it was premature. Um, he had, It was his fourth season at that point? Yes. He had a winning season with Phillip Rivers, a 9-7 and seven season with Phillip Rivers, a bad season when Phillip Rivers got hurt, and then the 7-9 mm-hmm. and nine season with Justin Herbert. Now, my lo- point, the point I want to make is this. Godfrey, I get what you're saying. It might not be premature. It might be premature. But if you gave Anthony Lynn that one season with Justin Herbert and he made them – he won rookie of the year and they were 7-9, and nine, and you didn't want to give him another season. You're like, we need to win, and, and this is what we need to do, and we're going to be shrewd about our hires, and we're going to make a hire based off winning. Then why does Brandon Staley still have a job? I can only think of one reason. One guy's white and the other guy's African-American. I'm sorry to consistently keep bringing this up, but it's over and over the shorter the leash goes to the coaches that are African-American and Brandon Staley gets opportunity after opportunity. He should have been fired last year after what he did with Rich Bisaccio calling that timeout, screwing them out of the playoff hunt last year. The Chargers have the most loaded roster in the NFL when healthy. The most loaded roster in the NFL. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Gerald Everett. Are you kidding me? Well, and that team. And, and I'm not high on Gerald Everett, but I mean, I, I get what you're saying. They do have a very good roster. Um, I, I would have fired Staley after last year um, uh, if all things were equal. So would I. So would I. Mm. But the last part I want to make, and I'll pass it right to you and then to Kyle, is how in the world 
Does Brandon Staley still have a job after Doug Peterson took the team that had the number one overall pick? Not as good wide receivers, not as good running backs, not as good O-line, not as good defense, and beat the Chargers. How does Trevor Lawrence have a playoff win before Justin Herbert? How? Yeah, I mean, he should be, he should be fired. I'm surprised he still has a job. Yeah, I it, it blows my mind. Um, definitely, you know, you, you see that in certain situations. Um, we're we're the least shorter. Uh, that organization is a bad organization. Chargers, everybody forget they're not a good they're not a good organization. They don't make the right moves. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Herbert's not a Charger in a couple of years unless they franchise tag with so much rage for him. Because if I'm Justin Herbert. It's just a nightmare over and over again. They got a little bit farther. And you look at Staley. I mean, I don't know what he brings to the table. Like, here's the thing. They fired the offensive coordinator. I think Joe Lombardi is a good offensive coordinator. Off the record. I thought of the, I thought that about him before he was actually in L.A. But he was brought in as a defensive guy. They were up 27 to nothing. What's going on here? Like, what does he what is he actually good at? And I'll say this again, I've said it before. The one thing he's all ever done was take a piss in the urinal next to Sean McVay. And that's the only thing Stanley's ever done. And some of these coaches, you know, O'Connell looks like he's working out so far, but there's a lot of coaches that, you know, oh, I I'm associated with Sean McVay because they want the next Sean McVay. That guy ain't it. And Staley is awful. So he definitely has a longer leash. He shouldn't. He should have been gone after blowing two games against the Chiefs the year before. He should have been gone after he handled that last game. And he should be gone after this game. I don't know how this guy survives. Like, even outside of um, him having a, a longer leash in that situation in the NFL, how does he still have a job? I mean, you were up 27 to nothing. Like, they don't – and, you know, they have talent, but I just don't think they have a rhythm. I mean, like, you know, Eckler's he's always off the field, but then you got your other backups, and there's no rhythm. They, they weren't running the ball, play action, you know, run out the clock. You're up 27 nothing. Start pounding the rock. Like, I don't know, man. That just that guy does not seem like he he has coaching ability. Um, if I was the Chargers, I'd be doing that and trying to get Sean Payton in there. You know, oh, no shit. But they're not but going Sean to. Sean Payton wants to coach them. Who was waiting for Justin Herbert? It's the easiest decision of all time. You fire Brandon Staley, you give the Saints a first round draft pick for the rights to Sean Payton, and you give Sean Payton a blank check. And guess what? The Chargers are the best team in football within the next five years. Period. Rich, like Kyle, let me ask you a question real quick. So I'm going to spin it right yeah. to you. After watching the NFL last year, did you think that Rich Bisaccio was a better head coach or Brandon Staley? I thought Pisaccio because I was never really sold on Staley either. And I, I, I mean, I'm along the same line of thinking as you that Pisaccio did enough to keep that job, but we know how Mark Davis is. He, whatever. Horrible and franchise. The whole, Rich Pisaccio yeah, so had John Gruden situation. He had the Henry Rugg situation. Yeah. He took the team to the playoffs. Josh McDaniels with, with Devontae Adams. Are, and they're like, oh, we got to give him time. We got to give him time. We got to give him time. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. 
I can't. I can't. I, I lose my shit the more and more I talk about this because it's so obvious. And like Doug, Doug said it perfectly. You hit the nail on the head on the reason why. The stats don't matter. The lack of patience for African-American coaches is and will always be low. Jim Caldwell, Brian Flores. I can go down this list for days on top of days. And I know you're tired of me talking about it. And I apologize that I keep having to talk about it. But this was a... This to me, and it didn't have to be hire an African American coach. You hire Sean Payton, no one's gonna argue. Hmm. It's beyond me how that man still has a job, and they're gonna scapegoat Joe Lombardi, and that's fine. Scapegoat him, scapegoat him. I'm fine with that because the Chargers are gonna charge her, and they're gonna ruin the years when they have Justin Herbert under the rookie contract, and now you're gonna have to give him fifty million dollars a year. And the Chargers aren't going to be able to have Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson when healthy, Rashawn, Rashawn Slater, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. Are you, are you crazy? Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. That roster is loaded. Listen, the Spanos, Dean Spanos took over the Chargers in 94. He's been one. He's been quietly one of the worst owners in sports. He's been hiding like Jim Marisay in plain sight. And you can look at it. I mean, and I could just smell the contract dispute coming from a mile away with Justin Herbert when it comes up. I don't think it'll be a charger. I'm going to go on a limb and say it right now. I, I could see him forcing his way out of there and then just getting draft picks for him. Kyle, I'm begging to hear your opinion on this. Your, give me give me your full thoughts on this. The game, the, the coaching, everything. So for me, I was on the Jaguars winning this game. But like most of us looking at the first half, I didn't think it was going to happen. But I think this game just shows how much progress Peterson has made with this group. It shows the mental toughness of um, Lawrence to have a first half like that. A lot of guys would kind of run and hide. He went back out there for the second half and had just as bad as the first half was. His second half was just as great. And I'm glad that they won. I assumed with the way that the Chargers lost, that was it for Staley. I thought it was going to be one of those situations like, the next morning we would read Staley's been fired, relieved of duties, whatever. But the Chargers did the kind of the usual sidestep where, oh, let's fire the offensive coordinator because clearly it was his offensive game plan that no, it's it was Staley. And you can look at the Mike Williams situation, playing him in a game that technically didn't really oh, mean yeah. much. He ends up getting hurt. I feel like if Staley had pulled this in you know, New York, Philly, Boston, no chance he lasts. So I don't know. Maybe it's an L.A. thing. I wonder what L.A. sports radio has to say about Staley. But it's like, like if, if Belichick had done this with the Patriots, for as great as Belichick is, Patriots fans would want him gone. I'm kind of calling for it now. But, it, you know, for, for a guy like Staley who hasn't done much of anything, last night, I mean, not last night, but this past weekend should have been the nail in the coffin for him. Absolutely. Brian Staley said, I thought it was a tight game, seemingly dismissing the notion. I thought that for a half, I wouldn't say that was the case for a half. I think at the end of the game, that team that we were playing showed a lot of fight, a lot of resilience. I thought it was a high quality game against two teams that are both young and hungry. So I thought it was a high level game all around. I think Doug is an outstanding coach. And I know we were coaching at, a, I know we were coaching at a high level. And hopefully we get another chance at those guys. We just didn't execute at a high enough level in the second half when it got tight and their crowd got into it. It became a dogfight. 
Despite calls for his job on social media, Staley was not concerned about job security. No, I have a lot of confidence in the way we've done things for two years. I have a lot of confidence in what I see on the football field week in and week out. I know the improvements. I know the type of improvements we've been able to make as a football team since I've been here. And I think the way we finished the season, the way we finished down the stretch, I think shows you all the things that we're excited about moving forward. Yeah. I, uh, let me share a quote for you guys about the, this organization. He's always been a man that would rather make a decision one year too late rather than one year too early. And the team has suffered for it. This is from 17. Both North Turner and Mike McCoy were fired at least a year too late. In the subsequent quotient searches, he insisted on re retaining existing staff because it was either too stupid to realize that they're a part of the problem or because he was too cheap to eat the cost of their contracts. That's I think the Chargers. I think the too cheap to eat the cost of the contract hits the nail on the head. And, I, I, you know, we had to open with this topic because this topic is um, – this topic is the most important. Like, this is the biggest one coming out of Wild Card Weekend, right? Like the twenty-seven point comeback. Like the the Forty Niners game versus Seattle Seahawks was a tight for the first half. I give Geno Smith and Pete Carroll credit to keep that game close. But the Forty Niners put their foot on the gas and let let the Seattle Seahawks know why they were the se seven seed and why the Forty Niners were the two seed. That was very obvious. The Buffalo Bills played a very sloppy game versus Skylar Thompson, but. In the end, they won the football game, and we're looking at the team that we expected to win the game playing this week. And we'll talk about that in a minute when we when we break down Bills Bengals. The second biggest story of the weekend, in my opinion, was the New York football Giants. The Giants went into Minnesota as three-point underdogs in a game where you've seen the NFC's three seed take on the six seed in Minnesota as a three-point favorite. If that didn't tell you everything you need to know. The Minnesota Vikings were the only team in NFL history to win 13 games and have a negative point differential. Tell me how insane that is. The Giants go in there and Daniel Jones looks great against the 32nd ranked defense. Kirk Cousins had a good game, but when push came to shove on fourth and eight, he threw the ball three yards to a tight end who had no chance of breaking a tackle and getting that first down. My next question would be, what did you guys think of Giants versus Vikings? Uh, I mean, I I was on the Vikings for this one. I mean, I was kind of probably going off of my prediction of the Vikings being good all year, so I kind of rode with it. You know, they fired their defensive coordinator, which, I mean, I think is valid if you're going to have the 32nd ranked defense. But, yeah, I mean, they spoiled them actual good Kirk Cousins game he, he threw the ball well yes that fourth down play was was questionable at best and I mean Justin Jefferson showed his frustration for you know fourth and eight like all things considered you could just throw a jump ball to Justin Jefferson take your chances yeah but he threw it short to Hawkinson Hawkinson had a really good game but if you're gonna throw a three yard out Hawkinson better create enough separation that he can catch it and turn up field and he didn't do it on that play so Hawkinson was not was in a no-win situation there uh, I think the Giants you know this shows what Dayball's done with this group and I feel like that game right there may have sealed coach of the year for him I don't know but he took a team with Daniel Jones who 
you know, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. A lot of Giants fans had kind of given up on him. Wide receivers that most people couldn't name. I mean, I learned that the Hodgins dude came from the Buffalo practice squad. So, obviously, Dave knows a little something about him. Saquon Barkley, we know who he is. But I did not expect this game to go this way. And, you know, with the Giants' history of them being a wild card team that kind of catches momentum, you know, could they make another run like that? I mean, I don't think they can, but I don't know. This team has that kind of feel to it. And I, I was impressed by the Giants for sure. Godfrey. Um, game went pretty – it was an up, you know, up and down the field game. Uh, both teams don't really have great defenses. Giants obviously have a little bit better defense than the Vikings. I think Daniel Jones did play a better game. I think Hodgins is emerging because, you know, they have, they don't have a lot of talent in that position. But, you know, when you look at the Vikings, um, everybody was eaten against them. Everybody. Now, not to take anything away from the improvement of Daniel Jones, but I do think that people are overvaluing that just a tad because he has played well, um, better, I should say, than he has in previous seasons. And part of what they did is they, you know, what made him play better is Brian Dable helped reduce the turnovers. Yeah. And, but outside of that, I don't see him taking over a game. I don't see him being a quarterback that will impose his will on you by playing lights out and just scoring at will. They don't have that kind of build. And they don't have, they don't really do anything super well. He hasn't prepared, but you know, a lot of people are giving Dime. Brian Dable credit and um, a guy that I think isn't getting a lot of credit for helping Daniel Jones is a guy that I think is a dark horse coaching candidate named Mike Kafka. Um, and if you hear about how Patrick Mahomes talks about Mike Kafka, he thanks him up and down, talks about him like he's the next coming when he was talking about him when he was on the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, Dable is the type of guy where he's got the team ready, but he he's very intense and he could wear on the players over a long period of time. So we'll see. Um, is he his guy? I don't know. Game, you know, didn't surprise me. A lot of people want to jump on Kirk Cousins. I, I don't think you could really been in Kirk Cousins for that. I think he played his best game. TJ played his best game. You know, they were triple teaming, you know, Justin Jefferson, which makes me think, like, well, why weren't you going to other places with the ball or calling other plays? Because if you're triple teaming someone, someone's got to be open besides your tight end. But, you know, that also speaks to, like, hey, Adam Thielen's pretty much dust at this point. So, you know, the Vikings were what we thought they were. They, uh, you know, pull a term from uh, the late Dennis Green. And uh, Kirk Cousins was 31 for 39 for 273 yards and two touchdowns. What drove me nuts is he threw the ball 39 games and 39 times in that game. Dalvin Cook got 15 carries for 60 yards. Nobody else got a carry in that game. So they thought dropping back 40 times. And passing it and, and running it 15 was the right way to beat the Giants when their defense is ranked 32nd in the NFL. Let me just read you some stats. Daniel Jones was 24 35 for 301 yards with 114 quarterback rate. He also ran the ball 17 times for 78 yards. Is this Mike Vick? Like, what, what are we watching? 17 times. Saquon Barkley ran the ball nine times for 53 yards and two touchdowns. 
Isaiah Hodgins had eight receptions for 105 and a touchdown. I don't listen. Isaiah Hodgins came off the Buffalo Bills practice squad. So Brian Dable knows who he is. But I just want to pull something up just for the heck of it. We got Richie James out there, man. I think this was Isaiah Hodgins' first 100-yard game since college. I don't think he's ever had a 100-yard game before. Isaiah Hodgins' best game this year was – want to hear something funny? What do you think his best statistical game was this entire season? The Vikings? He was 8 for 89 versus the Minnesota Vikings just three weeks ago. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they have three receivers about 89, 90. Slayton and Richie James had about that yard. Outside too. the Minnesota Vikings, this man is not caught for over 50 yards in a game this entire season. And if I'm if I'm just checking this right, because I think he's very young. He's only 24. I'm going to check, check the career stats. Oh, there we go. Career stats. Yeah, he's never had a 100-yard game in his career until this past week. Guys, Isaiah Hodgins is a nice story. The New York Giants are a nice story. It's cute, right? It's cute. The Vikings had the 32nd ranked defense against the run and the 32nd ranked defense against the pass. The only thing they weren't dead last in in the NFL was points per game. I, I really feel like you're reading too much into this. It's fool's gold. But I hope the Giants give Daniel Jones a contract extension based off this game. And I, I love it, it's always worked out for teams when they do this. Always worked out where fans of teams scream in the crowd after a playoff win. We won Philly. That always works out. Works out perfectly. There's it's never backfired in anyone's face when they've done that. But we'll get into that shortly. Any final comments on G-Men versus Vikings? Yeah, you, you know, I think the G-men um, played well. I think the Vikings didn't play well either. They should look at the coaching staff too because Alexander Madison is a capable running back to at least be in a rotation. They should have absolutely ran the ball on the Giants. They do not have a good defense as far as stopping the run. 100%. And, 15 carries for 60 yards tells me that's four yards a carry. Quick math. Yeah. Yeah. Not tell you. De- defenses nowadays, and I see a lot of the younger coaches do it, they abandoned the run too early. You know, they, they are afraid to stick with the run. I don't want to sound like a, a old guy that's saying, well, it's five yards in a cloud of dust. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, when people get down by seven, ten points, they're like, there could be three quarters left. And like, we're good. we're not running the ball anymore. It's a pass every down. I don't, I, don't, I, I think that's a, a giant misstep by a lot of the younger coaches. I like the pun. Any final comments on the Giants-Vikings, Kyle? Yeah, I just think it's going to be interesting to see – with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both needing contracts, what do they do there? Do they franchise they Jones? And... Yeah, you got it. I'm sorry. Or, yeah, franchise Jones, sign Barkley. Can they find a way to sign both of them? Because I feel like what Jones has done this year and what Dayball's starting to build with him, I feel like he's earned a contract. I don't know if I would go like five years or anything like that, but you know, maybe like a two, three year deal for him. I, I think that's kind of worthy but you gotta give him the Ryan Fitzpatrick treatment guys the problem is the Giants have to Daniel Jones has to agree to that deal and after the season he's had he's writing his own meal ticket why would you not look for a long-term deal elsewhere or make the Giants pay because they if you remember before the season the Giants did not pick up Daniel Jones's option so 
they they were showing you right then and there they weren't loyal to you. Right. So I, I hope the Giants overpay for Daniel Jones. I, well, he's, I he's gonna test he's gonna test the market, but you know if, if I'm another team looking at Daniel Jones, I am I'm not giving him a long term deal. I need to see one more year of him doing that. And uh, the year that reminds me of me, although they're different players, is the year Ryan Fitzpatrick had with the Jets, and they didn't resign him to a long term deal. They went ten and six, just missed the playoffs, had a pretty good season, and then the next season Ryan Fitzpatrick became Ryan Fitzpatrick again. And does that, you know, a lot of these players sometimes have to say to themselves, am I successful because of the system and this coaching or is it my athletic talent and I could take it anywhere? And I think a lot of athletes have trouble admitting that to themselves. Now I got to I'm going to tag someone real quick. because I really want them to be in here for this portion of, of the show. Godfrey, I'm going to heed to you because I know how long you've been waiting to get into this. The Baltimore Ravens versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Sam Hubbard literally took away the game from the Baltimore Ravens with a Huntley reaching out over the goal line on a quarterback sneak call at the one and a half yard line returned 99 yards for a touchdown. Can you help me understand a few things? One, do you think of Lamar Jackson plays the Ravens win this football game? And two, do you think Lamar Jackson could have played? Uh, I think they had a chance to win if Lamar Jackson played a stronger chance. They're going to move the ball more efficiently, and I do think he could have play, played. Absolutely. 1,000%. There's no doubt about it because you have to answer this question in two different ways. When it comes to his contract. So either he was hurt two years in a row for the last quarter of the season or he's holding out. There's really no other choice. It's either A or B here. It's not multiple choice outside of A or B. And if it's A and he was too hurt, you can't, as a team, are you going to guarantee $230 Because he wants a Deshaun Watson contract, right? That's his beef. I'm not. And what people want to talk about is he's a good quarterback. But the way he plays the game, if you look at his spray chart and where he runs, it's in the middle of the field. His body's going to wear down like a running back. Unless he develops the passing game. Now they fire Greg Roman. So uh, you know, I I uh be careful what you ask for. That's all I have to say about that. But yeah, I to me, to not show up at a playoff game because you're holding out. And you know, and, and I see guys like RG3 out there who they're buddies with, they've been on the same team saying, like, oh, the narrative is this, the narrative is that. No, 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 no. He created that narrative. If he wanted to quash that narrative, he could come out and say it. He said, Hey, my it's not stable, it's a PCL strain. You know, and I heard Gene bring this up last night. Jim Harbaugh talks to the trainers. They work for Jim Harbaugh on the team. They don't work for Lamar. So if he can play and they think he's structurally sound, they're going to tell him so because the Ravens signed the trainer's checks. They're not going to lie, but listen, you got rid of Greg Roman. So is that the problem? People say he needed talent. Okay. I mean, they came pretty close with what they had. I do think they could possibly win that game because the way it played out, the Cincinnati Bengals lost key pieces on their offensive line, and the game was a lot closer than I thought. But, you know, Gene, let me ask you, though, on that run back by Sam Hubbard, because a lot of Ravens fans out there were talking about this, do you think that should have been a block in the back on Mark Andrews? A hundred percent. It was a block in the back. Yeah. I said it immediately when it happened. It was a block in the back, and they should have called it. And that's not – that's not – that's me being honest. I don't – do I think that – Officials going to make that call running down the field. Do I think they're in the best position to see that 
they don't have, do they have instant replay or or HD video like I have? But the play is on the Ravens goal line. And I think what a lot of people are missing out on is the officials, just like everyone else, is running down the field trying to keep up with the play. That's not an easy call to make no matter who you are, no matter what the situation is. But if you're asking if it was a block in the back, I said it immediately when it happened. It is, but I felt like it was one of those ones where, like, you got to make that judgment call. Does a guy – and if I'm the ref, if you're seeing it from that angle, you know, he's kind of on an angle when he's pushing him on the back, and it should be. He pushed him right on the numbers, bro. He pushed him right on the numbers. But he wasn't right behind him. He was on the side of him. So, I mean – if you're push someone in the back, whether you're beside them or you cannot do it. He put his hands on his back. Right. I hear you. you Is he going to make that – is he going to make that tackle, though? That doesn't matter. That doesn't. There's millions of things. That that doesn't matter if you. Yeah, but if they do call that, do they win the game? Yes, I still think their Bengals win the football. Right. That's my. You know, there's a lot of other opportunities where I think you know when it comes, one game never comes down to one play. You can always find plays where the team missed an opportunity. That game came down to one play. I I don't know, man. That was a close game. There, there was plays that were missed. Are you kidding me? That game came down to one play. But the Ravens. Blew a chance in the end of the first half to get that touchdown to go up 14-9 yeah. instead of 10-9. So there was opportunities for the Ravens to win this game completely. You know, the final play with the deflection in the end zone and Prochet hesitated for like half a second so he didn't, he didn't catch it. You know, on the play with Hubbard. So I saw a kick return. I think it was the Patriots-Jets game. The same play happened there. They didn't call it. And I think that's kind of because of Gene, like you say. When that play is going, the refs are running down the sideline to try to keep up with the play. And these are guys running like, you know, 18, 20 miles an hour. So maybe it was just something where, from the ref's point of view, he couldn't tell whether or not it was a push in the back or whatever. So that's why he didn't call it. But I will also say, like, yeah, that's not, like, the reason why the Ravens lost or anything. Like I said, there were opportunities the for them. The Bengals. Is, I think the full play is the reason they lost the game. I think that if they right. run that Huntley's, ball in, Huntley's decision making was, correct. I mean, for him to jump up and stretch out from that far away, it have been that's a just the ball. What is Jordan talking about? It was a tie game. Yeah, it would it would have put the Ravens Come on, up Jordan, you're a Ravens fan. You don't have the right score. Come on. Well, they're saying a lot. Of, if they well, give it to J.K. Dobbins, would have been a better job. It was a 14-point well, I mean, swing. It will never have been a 14-point lead. And by the way, I think saying, if the Ravens score there, I still don't think Joe Burrow goes out quietly. I think Joe Burrow finds a way to get oh. them down the field and tie the game. I still think the, Raven, the Ravens lose that football game with Huntley. I don't think that that – but looking back at that game, that is the difference of that game. Now, yeah. for those at home that keep saying Lamar was playing for money, do you guys respect Chris Martinson as a reporter? Chris Mortensen, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Why would you not? He's one of the few. One of the few. I respect. Lamar Jackson rejected a six-year offer with 133 million guaranteed for 290 million dollars. 133 fully guaranteed at signing, which is more than Russell Wilson, 124 million, who has a Super Bowl by the way, and Kyler Murray, who is 103 million, but well short of the $230 million fully guaranteed deal that Deshaun Watson got. However, it's $60 million higher in overall money for the deal. Do you think a six-year deal 
for $290 million is them not making a commitment to their quarterback, or am I just out of my mind? Well, wow, Gene, you must be out like of your mind. To me. It, it sounds like a commitment to me, and this is where I have to question, is it smart for Lamar Jackson to be his own agent, right? No. It's not, because you he know what? fully guarantee his contract. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. what he... Yeah, and listen, I wouldn't do that if I were them because of he's what he's shown you the last two years, and I think he's making a bad decision here. And if it gets ugly, they're going to trade him, and I just don't see it working out well for him. I think he's a good football player. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he could get better even. But they're taking the backwards approach. Even the organization is handling this wrong. The fire Greg Roman, I think – I don't understand. Um, what did they want him to do? You know, it's funny how Lamar can have the excuse of not having weapons, but the offensive coordinator can't have that excuse, right? Like the market, he doesn't sign. He, Demarcus Robinson's his number one receiver. Okay, well, you know, how the offensive coordinator doesn't have his number one weapon in Lamar Jackson, and they're like, oh, you, your offense is vanilla. I, I don't buy for a second. It was Greg Roman's fault. Like he is also getting the Joe Lombardi treatment. Because I can guarantee you, someone's going to find him a job. And if I had a quarterback that had legs and an arm, I'm hiring Greg Roman to be my quarterback. I liked him ever since he was in Stanford with Jim Harbaugh. And that's where the connection was. And he will have a job. The Ravens have made a huge mistake by doing that. He's a sacrificial lamb in this relationship, apparently. But he ain't the GM. And he's not the head coach. So I don't understand what's the point of that. The rushing offense has been top three, top five the last three years in the league. He had his best season with Greg Roman. He helped design that offense, not coach it, not call the play, design that offense and bring it to Baltimore to work it around Lamar to make him as successful as he could be. It's ridiculous. Okay, so I kind of wanted to give one more comment on the Baltimore Ravens before we move forward. But watching that game, the huge takeaway, the positive takeaway I took away for the Baltimore Ravens is Roquan Smith's money is well spent. That is the best linebacker in football, not named Micah Parsons. I haven't seen anyone dominate a game the way he did. He was everywhere that game. Roquan Smith a is an absolute stud. I had him ranked number three on my linebackers list coming into the season, and I feel like that was high. Not anymore. Man, Roquan Smith is just unworldly. Love that kid. Watch that kid play. So yeah. Jordan said, um, I'm just curious. He was a part of the problem the last two years. Like Ty said, the offense can't evolve. If he's talking about Tyrone Huntley saying the offense can evolve, bro, you have to evolve as a player. You're a backup quarterback. Like, what are we talking about? Ty in our chat. Um, Yeah. Because I think they're looking at the scoring number has gone down the past couple of years, which I mean. Listen, man, this is the thing that people don't want to say about Lamar. Has he evolved as a quarterback? Look at his spray chart. I challenge anybody to look up where. Everybody used to do it. Remember when Michael Vick back in the day, he threw all his balls to the left side of the field. Everybody knew he was going to Aldry Klumpler to the left side of the field. Everybody. It's the same thing with Lamar. He doesn't want to go outside the hashes. How can you evolve when you're using half of the football field? Give me a break. You, you can. Kyle, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think with the way that Lamar is right now, there's definitely room for improvement. And I think if he makes those improvements, then yeah, you want to, you know, give him a Deshaun Watson type of contract, go right ahead. I think the way that he currently plays, I think it'd be crazy to give him that kind of money. And 
I think the Ravens have kind of put themselves in a weird situation here, even Lamar as well, because if Lamar leaves, where does he go that has a system built for him? There's probably only a few places. One would probably be the Niners, but would the Niners want him necessarily? I don't know. Then outside of that, anywhere he goes, they're going to have to now change their system to fit his skill set for right now. And like Godfrey said again, can he get better at throwing outside the numbers? Sure. But it's going to have to be some something where, you know, how much does he work on that? Is he think that he needs to work on that? That's probably the biggest issue. And the whole knee injury and all that, if he said it was unstable, fine, I'll take him at his word. I had an issue that he wasn't at the game at least. He could have been on the sideline helping out Huntley and all that during the game. Unfollowed the Ravens social media the next day. I mean, that part, I mean, I don't know. They try to say it was because of rehab. Okay. You know, but Kyle, let me ask you a question. During the playoff game, get out of here. Let me ask you a question. When people started figuring out this Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson, you know what game where I thought that happened? Steelers. That was one, too, but it was also when Cam Newton, who was dust on the Patriots, beat the Ravens in that game, game. in that bad weather game. They had him pinned. They knew exactly where they were going in that game. And talent-wise, they should not have beaten the Ravens that night. Um, I remember that game, and I'm like, wow, how'd this happen? I lost money on that game. I was like, Ravens are going to walk through this. So, I don't know, man. That's just, you know, and one comparison, I guess we'll move on to this, that I heard someone make about Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. About, you know, Josh Allen, can, you know, he he started to throw better. Well, when you talk to Josh Allen, you've heard him interview, he said they sat him down and said, listen, Josh, do you want to get serious about playing quarterback? This was Brian Dayball at the time. We have to get better at throwing the ball. You have to be more responsible with the ball. You have to be more pinpoint where you're actually. He sat them down. He knew that was a fault of his. And he worked on it. I haven't heard that kind of talk around Lamar. I'm glad Cool said this because I I looked at Roman as well. He was the OC for Kaepernick in that Super Bowl year. So obviously the man knows how to create an offense for mobile quarterbacks. I I don't know. But he did say neither improved as a passer. Um, He said, I don't blame Roman completely, but no way I believe it's he he isn't part of the problem. I think the, the issue with Baltimore goes way deeper and they said Jim, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh said today, 200% chance that Lamar J- Jackson's back. And a bunch of people think he got paid already. They think the contract's already going to be done. Um, in my personal opinion, I, I'll ask you guys, but would you give him six years, 290, 150 guaranteed? Uh, the structure of the contract, if, if it's 150 guaranteed. Um, six years, it? 290, 150 guaranteed. That's what yeah. he was offered. Would you give him that? I would give him that. Yeah, I would be in that. I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't go. The, see, the thing is, he wants the Deshaun Watson type of deal. That's that's what I keep hearing, and right, yeah. I I I'm not doing that. I wouldn't I do six years. I wouldn't do six years two ninety. I wouldn't one hundred fifty million guaranteed. I wouldn't do it. But they're pretty on much. They're pretty on. They're pretty close to that right now. Kyle. Yeah, the six years makes me hesitate. Definitely not going fully guaranteed. Uh, I feel like. Was four or five years, yeah. Six just seems I don't know, that number just throwing me off, but well, I feel he, like they get it done. I, I like I said, I don't think it's fully guaranteed, but I think before the season was like one thirty three guaranteed. If yeah. they bone up to one fifty, I feel like Lamar probably takes that. Here's the thing people aren't thinking about with this contract. And by the way, he's negotiating and if if his six years is what's being reported he wants, 
he knows this is going to be his big payday because of the way he plays quarterback. He's not going to get that second or third contract to some of these guys that, you know, are, are more pass pass efficient than he is because they offered, he's they offered him that six year contract. Right, but or I'm talking like not a contract that he, after that. Chasing that because he's not going to get a second. Yeah, he's not going to get a second big contract because he knows his body in a way it's wearing down. I do give him that, and he's trying to get his payday. But, dude, I, I just I don't know, man. There's got to be some compromise from both sides. Lamar needs the Ravens, and the Ravens need Lamar. At the end of the day, that's the truth. No, I, I don't. First you don't think all, the Ravens need him? No, I don't think I don't. I don't think that Lamar needs the Ravens. I think Lamar is going to get paid by somebody. I just think it will be a bad contract no matter how you look at it. All right, so. I think he will, but will he have the same success? Because you're going to. So- I don't think he may. I think that what he did the final three weeks of the season and not playing in the playoffs showed you that he cares a lot more about the bag than he does about success. Right. So the thing is, is you're not going to ever reach that 290 because you're not going to live out the full potential. There's going to be an out in that contract at some point. You know what I mean? And that's why I say he needs the Ravens, not that he needs them to get the money, but if he cares about legacy and playing, some players do, some players don't. I mean, if you're a team and you sign them, you got to rebuild your whole offense around them. I don't care what anybody says. You, you're look, you're like Greg. Are you out there? Come to our team. I mean, hopefully they don't hate each other. And then the Ravens, if they get rid of them, they're gonna have to redesign their offense as well. I mean, are they rolling with Tyler Huntley next year? Highly yeah. doubt it. All right. Well, let's move on. We have a Monday Night Football game we spoke about um, for a little bit last week. We spoke at, at at length the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I told you guys. An 8-9 team wasn't just going to wake up and play in the playoffs. It just wasn't going to happen. They stunk all year, and they stunk Monday night. And now Byron Leftwich, by the way, oh, Byron Leftwich, who was interviewing for head coaching jobs, won three straight division titles, and a Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator, was fired after one bad season with Tom Brady, who played like crap. And we talk about African-American coaches don't have shorter – Shorter look, uh, shorter leashes. Like, it's absolutely insane. I don't want to keep getting into this. I, I keep doing it, and it's my fault, and I understand, but it has to be said. Byron Leftwich was fired from the Tampa Bay Bucks organization this year. That's a joke. Uh, Tom Brady's gone. He's all but gone. My, my question isn't about the Cowboys yet, because we're going to talk about Cowboys 49ers in, in a minute, because we got to pregame the games. Where do you think Tom Brady goes next year? And I want to put mine on record, because I've said it already. And, you know, there's a lot of talk. Could you go back to New England? Is he going to go to Miami? Las Vegas? Well, I'll put myself on record now. I think the, you're 0 for 3 on those. And as crazy as this sounds, I think Tom Brady is the opening day starter for the San Francisco 49ers next year with Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I, I think that it's a match made in heaven. I think Brady's smart enough to go somewhere, and it would lend to what you're saying. That has a good offensive line, right? Um, Tampa didn't have a good offensive line. He knows he's got to get rid of that ball, and he's not going to run his way out of trouble. Uh, Vegas would be my my second one because of the McDaniel's connection. It almost seems like they're getting ready to prepare it. But I could see the 49ers as a dark horse coming out of nowhere and doing it. I, I don't. I don't. It's not crazy to me. Um, but I think it's going to end up being the Raiders and they don't really have the greatest offensive line. So I don't know what he's doing. I, I think he wants to play another year. He went through the divorce. It was almost like football or family. He chose football. So I think he's going to play at least one more year to, to justify that decision. Where do you think yeah. he goes? Um, I feel like for me, it's either the Niners Raiders or probably retirement. 
I, I mean, I keep hearing about Carolina, which, I mean, I get Carolina has a pretty good defense, but I just couldn't see Brady with the Panthers unless it no. unless it's like Peyton randomly went there, then maybe. But yeah, I don't see Carolina being involved. And then I hear the Mike Vrabel connection in Tennessee. Mm, I don't like that either. So I think it's really just those two spots. I mean, Tennessee's intriguing because I like I like Vrabel a lot. And they've been kind of a quarterback away for a few years now. But, yeah, I just think it's Vegas or the Niners. We got to preview some pigskin, boys. Um, we have four games. We're going to do them in order Thursday. Or, sorry, Saturday afternoon. You got the Kansas City Chiefs versus undefeated on Saturdays in his entire career, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson versus <laughs> Andy Reid. Andy Reid is 42 and 16 coming off a bye. It's an absurd number. Yeah. Winning percentage is nuts in his career. I don't want to spend too much time here unless one of you guys wants to try to make an argument for the Jaguars to win this game. And I think Godfrey might. But I will say this I don't see a way that they go into Kansas City and win that football game. I think Kansas City wins. I think it's a little high-scoring game. I think I said 37-24 on wire-to-wire. I think that Jacksonville scores, but they're constantly chasing. I, I, I got the Chiefs winning this one. I think they're the better football team with the better with the best qu- quarterback in the NFL. I think the edge to the coach goes to Andy Reid over Doug. I love Doug. But I don't think there's a position on the football field. Again, this one outside running back that the Jaguars have an advantage over the Kansas City Chiefs. Kyle, because I want to make this uh, climatic for the Godfrey as he goes out on his windowsill and says some wild shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the Chiefs in this. I mean, I can't go against Andy Reid coming off a bye, although I would love to see Jacksonville keep it close. Uh, I necessarily didn't like the fact that Lawrence said, you know, Kansas City isn't a tough place to play or something like that, he said, which... I mean, I don't know if I want to be going at Arrowhead fans like that. But part of me thought that maybe this game ends up a little bit closer because I think the spread's like, what, nine and a half to the Chiefs or something like that? Went up. Okay. Maybe before, like, Lawrence comment, I might have said maybe the Jags cover. But I think, yeah, I think Kansas City pulls away in this one. I could see, I don't know, 33... 20. Like I said, I think the, I think the Jags will score some points, but yeah, it'll, it'll always be like a two-score type of spread. In 31 seasons after a bye, Andy Reid is 28 and 5. <laughs> is that yeah? What? <laughs> Godfrey, tell me how Jacksonville wins this football game. I'm going with Jacksonville. I'm going to put that out there. Listen, I made my comment two weeks ago before I knew who they were going to play. I have my reasons for thinking that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback of football. Um, you know, I don't feel good after watching Lawrence throw four picks in the first half, but I'm sticking to my guns here. And the reason why I thought this was possible is uh, Doug Peterson is pretty good in December and January over his career. He's got that team believing. When they were three and seven before they went on the win streak to uh, 
win the division. They lost to the Chiefs 27-17. This is a completely different team that they played. The, the Chiefs are playing them. And when I look at, you know, can they handle their offense? I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are a load to handle. But there's no – but I don't – they're going to take away Jarek McKinnon. Their receivers don't scare me at all in KC. And so that's going to have to run through Travis Kelsey. So I, I think it's going to be a closer game. I'll take them the cover, and I think they can win. I'll do my double-dip special. I'll take the money line, and I'll take the points. If they don't win, I think the points are 9.5 are easy to do. I think Doug has that team prepared, and I think they're playing with house money. These kids aren't scared. And the one thing about Doug that I know, he wasn't in Philly for as long as Andy Reid. But Doug, when he thinks he's in a position where I have nothing to lose, he takes shots. He does. He's going to try to steal a couple mm-hmm. possessions, trick play, fourth and seven. It didn't work for him in a Chargers game, but eventually Atlanta did. And he's going to march forward because he knows that he's David and he's going after Goliath and he's trying to slay him with that rock. I, that's how Doug is, and he's always been that way. I don't, and, I don't agree with you, but that's a really good way to put it. It's a really good way to spin it. Because all I could think of when you said that was the Eagles going into that Super Bowl versus the New England Patriots. Like, yeah. we know we're, we're, we're David. We know we're going against Goliath. And they went in there and they took all, every shot they could. So Look at the Philly yeah. special. We were like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are we doing <laughs> – what the fuck is going on? As the Eagles fans, I'm like, what is Doug doing? Oh, my God. And then <laughs> Nick Foles catches a touchdown pass. It's hanging in my goddamn living room now. Yeah. I'm just saying – that's the type of guy. Doug is who he is. He's always going to be who he is. And I think Doug knows a little bit about Andy Reid, too. They know each other very well. They've been together a long time. He was his protege. And just Doug has this thing, man, where he gets he gets his teams to rally us against the world. I, You know, I saw with the Eagles, even after they won the Super Bowl, they had no business advancing in the playoffs with, with the way the season went. And they just... He one thing Doug doesn't let people do, and the Eagles try to do it to him once, and he flipped out. And the rare times we saw, rare times we saw it, he Nobody doesn't let teams quit on him. He doesn't let teams quit on him, and he will call you out for it. It was the Bengals game when he was the Eagles coach, and he and he lost it after that. You will not quit on Doug Peterson, and he does it in a way where he uh, walks softly but carries a big stick. Is the same. He's that type of coach. He's not going to wear down on your nerves. But you've heard these players say, I will run through a wall for Doug. Here's a trivia question, Kyle. Do you know, and, and I, I think we, do you know who the first quarterback was to start a game for Andy Reid as a head coach? Was it Peterson? It was Doug Peterson. 1999, uh, first quarterback to start a, head, start a game for Andy Reid as a head coach was Doug Peterson. And that game was blacked out, by the way. It was. It was terrible. <laughs> but um, it should be a fun one. Let's move on. We got Saturday Night Football. I actually don't know how much time we can spend on this one because I'll tell you right now, and mark my words, I hope Freddie's in the chat. Someone tag him if he's not. Freddie, Freddy, come get your whooping. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is not I, – I, I, I wish we could play the video. After the Vikings game, you hear Giants fans in the crowd. We want Philly after Eagles. That's never backfired on anyone ever before in the past. Except the Vikings. It happens all the time. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. And when you get it, you just might not know what what's coming with it. 
Philadelphia Eagles, and I'll go first on this one, are going to absolutely clown that organization that plays in New Jersey. The New York Giants are not better at any in any phase of the game. There's only one position advantage on the entire football field, and it's running back. Every other position on the field, Philadelphia is better. Every other position on the field. You're coming into a hostile environment Saturday night. You're going to have all those guys liquored up in Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> Eli Manning's going to be hiding in a suite. And some six-year-old kid's going to be flipping him the bird. And the Eagles dominate this game, and they win it by 21-plus. I'll be nice. Eagles 31, Giants 10. Yeah, by the way, some jabroni online doesn't have a blue check mark. says the NFL has no idea what it's doing scheduling an Eagles playoff game at the link for Saturday at 15. They're daring Philadelphians to drink 12 hours before the game. I got news for you, bud. The game could be at 1 p.m. and they'll start drinking at 12 a.m. earlier. Okay. If, 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 because you don't know what you're talking about, this is not the first radio for Eagles fans. Um, there's been plenty of games and it's worked out okay where they've drunk 12 hours before the game. So, yeah, it will be a hostile in there. And the Eagles are going to listen. I don't think the Giants are in their class right now, talent wise. And I'm just talking talent wise. It's a good story. Yeah. Um, the Giants won. They got in there. But let's be, let's, let's extrapolate. Let's pull out here. Okay. They're three, five, and one. Okay. Against, you know, finishing out the season, three, five, and one. Right. They're going to be on their one, two, they're on their third straight road game. That's hard in general. Okay. Unless you're a team that is rolling or was at some point, or you're a top echelon team with a lot of talent and a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of depth. The reason why Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James are starting and Kenny Galladay is a complete bust is because they have no other depth on that roster. It's not, far, they, don't have Rick, they don't have Rick James. It's Richie James. Yeah. It's kid. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Super <laughs> freak. So, I mean, it, it's listen, man, it, it's a great story, but. When you go look at the roster, and I think the Eagles are going to do some things too that they've been holding back on. I think they told, hey, Dallas, Dallas Goddard, let's take it easy to the playoffs. You're going to see a lot more tight end screens. You're going to see him blocking more. You're going to see him in on the run plays more, you know, helping with the RP. It's just they're going to release him to the into the wild. They've definitely been holding him back. That's how I feel with the play calling. And because he has got injured and they need him for the playoffs, he's an important part of that offense. Underrated part and an important part. And you know, Gene said it earlier. Someone was talking on our Bird's Jeep show. Vanilla ice cream is what I look at, and I see the Giants, man. Like, like that kind of offense, that that will get you off in the, in the late 90s, late 80s, mid-90s. That's not going to get it done. And if anybody thinks that the Eagles were coming out with their full arsenal and showing everything they can do the last week of the season and not projecting that they could end up playing the Giants, they're not thinking with this thing with a – they're not. They don't have their looking glass. Looking glasses on. They're not reading the Kyle, details. Who wins the game? I gotta go Eagles. I mean, Freddie. I know you don't want to hear that, but you know, the to me, the Eagles for a lot of this year were probably the most complete team in football. Now, there's a team in San Francisco that may want to make an argument for that, but I mean, you look at the secondary that the Eagles have. You look at you know D line. The offense, the you know capability that they have to make big plays, 
in the passing game and all that, I, I think the Giants Cinderella story comes to an end against the Eagles. Hey, man, I didn't want to believe last week with the Buccaneers. Gene was dead on with that. And they showed up and they showed what they were. And all year long you heard, wow, the Giants are starting off great. And everybody said they're going to fade. And they did fade toward the back, toward the back end of the season. I mean, yeah, man, I'm going 34-20. Uh, I think there'll be more points than people think. And I think the Eagles are just going to lay a lot of points on them. I think those are uh, those those 20 points will be like, I would say 10 of them will be like fourth quarter halfway through. Yep, I agree with you. All right, so Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock. I love the way they did this. They did, didn't do this last year. They did it like conference championship week in divisional round. 3 o'clock, the Bengals are traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, Kyle, I want you to start us off on this one. What do you think? Bengals at Bills. Joe Burr versus Josh well, This one's going to be interesting. Both teams – Played kind of subpar last week, to be honest, because I still look at that Bills-Dolphins game. Like, you look at the stats from the Dolphins, it, I still can't figure out how that's only a three-point game. Uh, the Bengals. Neither can my bank account. Before. <laughs> yeah, we said it earlier. The Bengals got lucky escaping against the Ravens. So this, I mean, we're going to get the game that was canceled. We know Hamlin and all that. So we're getting the rematch now. And, you know, the Bengals are upset by whatever. Now they get their chance to kind of exact that whatever. You know, that feeling that they have against the Bills, this is their chance to prove it on the field. I like the Bengals. Once again, I've been on the Bengals for a while now, but the injuries to the offensive line worry me a lot. Uh, I think I think the tackle who went out last week, they said, like, broken kneecap or something, so I'm assuming he's not playing. <laughs> But even before no, that, not. like it's, it's. I mean, I, I just thought, is this long enough for a new offensive line to really gel and play well? Because we know at Buffalo, they love blitzing, and they, they, I mean, they want to get pressure on Burrow, of course, because if Burrow has any time, if this offensive line can hold up for just a little bit, we know Chase, Higgins, and Boyd can get open. So that's kind of where I'm. Um, torn between this like can the offensive line give burrow enough time to make plays i don't know but i'm gonna I'm stick with joe burrow because i feel like this is the perfect situation for him i think a lot of people will be doubting because that offensive line and burrow if you're gonna count any quarterback out and you're gonna count burrow out i kind of want to put my faith in him even more because that personality that he has he's gonna walk into this stadium ready to shock some people so I got the PhW. Um, I'm going Bills, but I will say the Bills cannot let the the Bengals sneak back into the game like they did with the Dolphins, or the Bengals are going to take that game. Um, but losing that many offensive linemen is really tough, really tough, and they're going to have to run the ball if they're going to have a chance to win. They're going to have to feed it to Joe Mixon with success. I don't know if that's going to happen because. I, I don't see the – I see Eli Apple getting burnt to a crisp again, as usual. And, you know, he's a veteran, but, like, he's not a shutdown corner. I see I see the Bills scoring. I, they're going to be hyped up. It's a home game. It's a raucous crowd. They know what's at stake. You got Stefan Diggs. You know, you got big Gabe Game Davis. Gabe Davis loves to show up in the playoffs. He did this week. I mean, I, it's a lot for 
the Bengals to handle too. I mean, I'm a little skeptical of the five and a half spread. I think it's a three point game, but I'm going to have to go bills here. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go bills, uh, like 30, 27. I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. I just think the Buffalo bills are a better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals are. Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo bills. I, they, I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the season started. I'm not jumping off that bandwagon now. I hate I hate picking against Joe Burrow, so I'm going to leave it very short and short and sweet. And I will tell you that the Bills win this football game because their defense slows down Cincinnati more than Cincinnati slows down Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, big game Gabe. I think Buffalo wins this game. I think they're very tough to stop from scoring 30 points. I think they'll win this game 30 to 24, and they'll cover by just one point. Yeah, it's a close. Jerry game. brings up a good point too. Eli Apple, he is terrible in coverage, and I'm sure Buffalo can exploit that. Also, Josh Allen stopped throwing those like random 50-50 balls downfield that get picked off. Buffalo's too good. Yeah, they don't have a. Book. That's why Burrow is a better quarterback to him slightly because of the turnover factor. I think that's why I I, I agree with Gene on that. Um, yeah. you know, Dable left, and you know, Allen has turned the ball over more. The stats are there. And, and I think Joey B does that less. I think Joey B is more of an accurate passer. He's a better, you know, I I, I think he throws the ball downfield better. I know people are going to say I'm crazy for that. Josh Allen has a great arm. Well, Josh Allen's got a stronger arm. Jarbo is more accurate on his downfield. Right. I don't think anybody's going right. to score. Yeah. And if they do, they're, they're, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, I wanted to leave this game for last. It's last in, the, last in the, in the docket. It's last, and it's the only huge upset of the week I have. I think the Dallas Cowboys are, are going to put an end to the Purdy party in San Fran. Dallas is the better football team overall. I think that their defensive line is going to put pressure on Brock Purdy without having to blitz. It's the only team in football that can probably do it without having to send more than four people at the quarterback. You got Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, um, I think that Dallas wins this football game. I think that San Fran's defense is great, but only great defenses can't make up for their offense not being able to move the football. Dan Quinn is a great defensive coach. He'll have a system in place to shut down a rookie quarterback. This is the first top five defense that Brock Purdy's faced, and I think that it'll be very obvious and evident. I don't care about the extra two days rest that San Fran gets in this game. I don't care about the Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel factor. I think Dallas's defense plays on the other side of the ball. They're a very tacking style defense, and they're going to make Brock Purdy beat you with tight window throws. And I don't think he will do that. I think Purdy turns the ball over three times, not once, not twice, three times. Um, I think Dallas wins this football game by 10. And I heard a rumor that Brock Purdy is going to be on the text line ready to hit you up if he wins. Look, I'll make – listen, hold on. I got, I, got, I, got a I got a bet. I got a deal. If Brock Purdy – wins this football game and doesn't turn the ball over twice or more. I will buy a Brock Purdy jersey and wear it on air. <laughs> I, I will 100% give up every Brock Purdy hating. I will denounce everything I've said about him. I will write a full apology video, whatever you want me to do. I'll wear a Brock Purdy jersey and and, and, and do an apology video. This yeah. is the first time he's seeing a top five defense. And – there's two caveats. Let me just repeat this. They got to win the football game, and he has to play somewhat decent, like not turn the ball over twice. Is that fair? 
I'll let you guys be the judge of whether he played decent or not. So this is the hardest game of the week for me to pick. I, I, I mean, just I agree with a lot of what Gene has said. But I got to flip the coin and say what happens when Dak Prescott has to deal with the leader in QB pressures and name Nick Bosa. I mean, their defensive line's no slouch, and neither is their defense. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be lower scoring than people think. Um, I think they're, both defensive lines can bring pressure, and they can get to the quarterback. And, you know, let's be honest. Last week, Dak was able to make any throw he wanted to because, I, I don't know, they were sitting in chairs eating sandwiches on the Tampa Bay defense. Like, uh, what, what was going on there? I mean, the game plan was awful. But the part, part of it was they were just outmatched. Um, I do think... San Francisco's defense has some weaknesses. You know, I, I keep going back to that Raiders game where they gave up 34 points to Jared Stidham. And I think Dak is absolutely better than Jared Stidham. I think it's he's capable to beat the team. My question is, what happens when he starts getting pressure and moves him off his spot? And it's it, this is the, I, I've gone back and forth so many times on this game. Um, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the Niners um, to, win a, to, to win a close one. I see like a, a 2017 game. Okay. I, I'm the only one on the Cowboys again. I predicted this before. And listen, the storybook has been written, guys. Let me help you out with the story. I know some people can't see the, the, through the fog. They can't see through the trees. Let me help you. Week five, Jalen Hurts versus Cooper Rush. Week 16, Gardner Minshew versus Dak Prescott. This is like every trilogy. You've got Jalen Hurts versus Dak Prescott in the trilogy. It's been set up for weeks, gentlemen. It's the reason the Vikings lost to the Giants. This has been set up for weeks. Eagles versus Dallas, NFC Championship game for all the marbles. I will say it now and I'll say it again. The NFL cannot afford to have Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. Eagles, Cowboys, Bills, Chiefs, the best game you watched all year last year. Bills, Chiefs. Or, or am I lying? Best game I, I might have ever seen in my life. Yeah, I um, yeah. I'm not against what you're saying. I mean, listen, as an Eagles fan, if that happens, I'm like, yes. Like, so I'll be like, I won't be mad at all. I'm like, all right, you get the, you get a number two. If you said to me. I could have the Eagles playoffs and they get a chance, a crack possibly. They got to beat the Giants first at the Giants and the Cowboys on a road to a Super Bowl. I would be like, please. Godfrey, that would be amazing. I'm going to tell you something right now. And you you might laugh when I say this, but I'm going to tell you, I'm dead serious when I say this. The Philadelphia Eagles have a way better chance of losing to the Cowboys than they do to the 49ers. I believe that too. So, yeah. because there's no way in God's green earth that. Mr. Irrelevant is going on the road to play at the number two defense in football in Philadelphia in that hostile environment and winning a game to go to the Super Bowl. None. You might yeah. as well not play without a quarterback. I mean, I agree. Might I mean, well play without a quarterback. Well, let's do this. I'm going to do a quick exercise real quick. I don't have a lot of time. Let's look at the uh, defenses that Purdy's played. Seahawks, not a good defensive line. Cardinals, Raiders, Seahawks again, Commanders. Okay, offensive line, but they beat them 37-20. Buccaneers, enough said, 35-7. The Dolphins, 33 That's when he came in halfway through the game. There's not a lot of guys on there where, you know, you got Max Crosby, but that game was closer. But other than that, I mean, he really hasn't been tested. 
by a top tier defensive line. He just has not. I mean, this is why it's so tough for me to pick this game because that is the thing staring in the face. So I agree with Gene. Like, is Purdy going to beat the cow, the Cowboys, and then beat the Eagles, who both have top three, top three defensive lines in the league, top four, whatever you want to say. They're they're up there, and they got the stats to prove it. I mean, you know, gentlemen, yeah. you guys have. Um, hold on. Somebody, you, to, Kyle picked the Bengals. So you have Bengals, Chiefs, yep. 49ers, Eagles. Yep. Godfrey has Bills, Chiefs. No, Bills, Jaguars, 49ers, Eagles. Living on the edge. And I have Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys. So none of us have the same final four. All right. It'll That's be good. super interesting, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this has been a fun episode of pregame and pigskin. Any final thoughts, Kyle? No, I just, I mean, I can't wait for this weekend to see how these games play out. I would love to be along with Godfrey and have the Jaguars win. Love the great story, but. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I will make the bet. I promise you that. Okay. Hey, you might as well if you're going to sit here and go out on that ledge. Let it work out for you. Just letting uh, you know I'm not out here trying to make hot takes. I might be wrong, <laughs> but I believe what I believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing I would really want to say is I'm excited to see my Patriots hire an offensive coordinator. Would love to see who they end up choosing. I do think it's cool that you know, Keenan McCardell's getting in an interview. That name was out of left field to me. Uh, Adrian Clem. So we've seen Belichick kind of do this with coaches who aren't necessarily probably names you would think of, but he'll give them an interview just to get them involved in the process. I mean, I still think Bill O'Brien gets it, but I think it was just cool to see Keenan McCardle get a get a, get an interview. I feel like Bill will want to talk old school football with you first, and that's a, and it's going to progress from there, and you yeah. get a second interview. And so I, I can see him talking with Keenan McCardell, talking just talking football for like the first yes. hour of the interview. So. Guys, um, we pregame and pigskin isn't stopping. Pregame in the NFL after the NFL season, everybody been asking is pregame and pigskin stopping. Uh, we will not go on every week, but we will have pre-gaming the NFL free agency, pre-gaming the NFL draft, pre-gaming OTAs, pre-gaming preseason. So you're going to see us all year round because pre-gaming pigskin is not stopping. So for this week, an hour 15 on the dot, D. Godfrey, any final thoughts? No, just uh, sit back and enjoy it. It's going to be a wild playoff weekend. Enjoy the Eagles stomping the Giants. Kyle Edwards, the king of production for Sports Empire Network. T-H-E-E, the Godfrey. I'm wire to wire, Gene. This is pregame and pigskin signing out. Top rope, Freddie, for your Giants. Bam. <laughs> <laughs>